Welcome to the Odyssey Podcasts. This is Jean Cavellos, Director of the Odyssey Writing Workshop's Charitable Trust. The Odyssey Writing Workshop is an intensive six-week program for writers of fantasy, science fiction, and horror whose work is approaching publication quality, and for published writers who want to improve their work. Odyssey is held each summer on the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. Adult writers from all over the world apply. Only 15 are admitted. Top authors, editors, and agents serve as guest lecturers. For more information, visit www.odysseyworkshop.org. Podcast 72 is an excerpt from Nancy Holder's lecture at Odyssey 2013 on short fiction and novel contracts. This excerpt will be continued in Podcast 73. The text of this recording is copyright 2013 by Nancy Holder. The sound recording is copyright 2014 by Odyssey Writing Workshop's Charitable Trust. First of all, what is a contract? A contract is a statement between somebody who owns some rights to give or license rights to another person or entity. So when you write something, unless it's work for hire, you usually, in America, own the copyright. This is the gold of a writer's life, owning the copyright. The copyright means you own that, just like you own your car or your house. You own this thing. If you write a story and I see your story, if I want to use your story, usually, unless it's work for hire, I have to buy the right to publish your story from you. But you still own your story. It is still yours. I'm renting it from you. And basically, uh, in these binding legal documents that are called contracts, you have who, what, how much, when, and what if. So who is that you define your legal entities? You, the author, them, the publisher. If you have an agent, then the agent goes in there too. Um, what? What are you selling the rights to or selling? How much are you getting paid for it? And what if all these bad things happen? What if bad things happen to good writers? The what ifs are very, the, the thing that drives a lot of people wacky who aren't in the publishing field is that our contracts look really unenforceable or unfair. That a lot of the language in literary contracts, if you took your contract to a, a lawyer who was not a literary lawyer, would go, you should not sign this ever in your entire life. But we all sign them anyway. So just know that if you decide, well, my cousin Bob just graduated from law school, I'm going to take my contract to him, you might, might prepare yourself that he'll go, are you nuts? Because we're all nuts and we all sign them. There's language in there like, if it's not acceptable, how do you define acceptable? Unfortunately, there's no way in the arts to define acceptable. So let's go through this contract. This is for original stories. They put out a call and said, would you like to be in our anthology? And I sent them a story. They said, we like your story, and we want to buy it. So here is the name of the publication, kind of the entity that's dealing with me. 
Agreement is made this 15 day of May 2012, which is written in this way because this person is from England, by and between Marie Bamford, hereafter known as the editor. The editor. Sometimes it will say the publisher. It's the, I am the guy who can make the contract with you. I am party A. Then it says, and Nancy Holder, hereafter known as the author's representative as follows. Now, in an American contract, as you'll see, it may say, here and after known as the author, as follows. Then it says, I grant the right to publish the following story. I'm granting the right to publish, not the copyright, to be used in an anthology, here and after known as the anthology, defining who these entities are, because these are legal entities. This is a legal binding contract that I'm signing. And so now I'm going to be on the hook to do whatever this contract says because I'm saying, okay, I'm in. So that <clears throat> such rights as are herein granted to the editor by the author's representative shall be non-exclusive. So there's sets of rights. There's first serial rights. There's North American rights. There's world rights. There's audiobook rights. There's performance rights. And you can sell pieces of rights to different entities. They are getting the right not to reprint it. They are getting the right... Well, let me go through it and I'll show you. So, she is saying they're non-exclusive. That's a good thing. Non-exclusive is good because then you can sell the rights again, again, and again. It is understood that the use of the story by the editor includes world volume rights and the right to license the following subsidiary rights. Hardcover and paperback rights licensed to another publisher, United States of America, translation, omnibus book club, electronic, Rights licensed to another publisher, including but not limited to large print editions. Now, I know from having signed contracts that this British, British ease, the volume rights, we would spell it out a little more clearly, I think. But what this means is the whole book. If we sell the whole book, this story goes with the book. So then, charitable rights. The editor shall be entitled to authorize free of charge the recording of the book in Braille or as a talking book. That's also in America, and you'll see that, and people go, Nancy, they want my book for free. That's what we do as part of, we're a gentleman of publishing. Now, it is understood that editors license to use the story only in the anthology and in the rights specified above, and that the author's representative retains all rights not specified here, the author's representative being me. Okay. For the above rights granted to the editor, the author's representative shall receive a fee of 127 pounds. Well, let's go out to dinner. Uh, and such fee being the representative share of the editor's advance to be paid within 30 days of publication date of the anthology, along with a countersigned contract. Okay, being paid on publication is usually something you don't want. You want to be paid on acceptance. Or, if you're going to be paid on publication, you usually want if you publish it by X time. It's like if I say, I'm going to start a new publishing company, and it's going to be really cool, I'm going to invite all of you guys to sell short stories to me, and I will publish them, and I'll pay you when it gets published. And 25 years later, you're going, whatever happened to your publishing company and my story? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get to it. Um, and so you want a time, or you want to either have a time or know this will probably happen, and I'm doing a sort of a handshake, because I know Marie. I'm fairly certain that this will happen. Maybe I should have said, or I get to keep the money if you haven't done it in 18 months. But I didn't, because I know Marie. Any payments and royalties over and above the publisher's advance and all other earnings of the book, if any, 
For all editions and reprintings shall be redistributed as follows. 50% to be retained by the editor, 50% to be distributed among the contributors to the anthology on a pro rata basis. Okay. A pro rata basis could have meant a couple things in a, on an American contract. It could mean, let's say the book's 100 pages long. Let's say there's 10 stories, and each of us, by magic, wrote a story that was 10 pages long. So each of us has how, how much percentage of the book do we occupy? 10%. So then I'd say, oh, okay, Marie, if you get a whole bunch of money in royalties from selling this book, I'll get a tenth of the half that the authors are getting. So how much will I actually get? 5%. Cool, Marie, cool. Question? Yes. Um, with the pro rata basis, if the book doesn't happen to divide out that easily, is it done? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that was the other part of that. Pages? Let's say that there's 10 authors and that blowhard, God, he's so wordy. He wrote a novella. My story is 2,500 words long. And his stupid novella is 30,000 words. What the hell? Do you think he might get more money? Yes. Because he did more work. So a pro rata basis can also mean by that number of pages or the number of words you personally contributed. Okay. A distribution of just earnings shall be made up by the editor at least once every year. Sometimes editors will say, unless it's such a piddly ass amount, I'm not going to bother writing you a check. I'll just save it for you. I just faithfully, before I left, got a check for royalties of $6.87. And I thought, what a cool, a small press, what a cool guy. The author's representative warns to the editor that the story is original and that the author or the representative has the full power to make this agreement. The author's representative further warns to the editor that the story is in no way a violation or infringement of any existing copyright or license, that it contains nothing libelous or defamatory, and that it does not invade the rights of privacy of any party and the author's representative will indemnify and keep the editor indemnified against all actions, suits, proceedings, claims, damages, demands, and costs in consequence of any proven breach of this warranty arising out of any claim alleging that the story constitutes an infringement of copyright or contains libelous or defamatory material. The editor agrees to the best of his ability to provide the author's representative with complimentary copy of each and every edition of the anthology. Guess who has some writing in his contracts always, and if you don't, you have to pay me a certain amount of money? Harlan Ellison. If he finds a copy, a volume of an, uh, with a story in his, of his, he makes them pay him. And yay, Harlan, you go, boy. If the above is satisfactory, please indicate by signing both copies of this agreement in the space provided below and return both copies to the editor at the address shown above. Why do you think the editor wants me to send both copies? So they can sign it returned in because you need to both have copies. He needs a copy, and I am exactly as important as that guy. I am, yes, it's, it's really cool and groovy that I am selling them the rights to a story, but it's really cool and groovy that they got my rights. And that, even though when we're like, oh, please buy this story, please, when they send you a contract to buy a story, it means they want you. You have something of value they want. So don't forget that. And if you want to be more of a hard-ass negotiating contracts than I apparently am, then you can be. But if you are negotiating tough, remember, you may incur a no. But you may incur a no and move on to, uh, to a new set of people. Man, Danielle is tough, and you don't want to screw with her. But, you know, her stuff's so good. I'll put up with it. 
Okay. That's right. Right dang straight. So, you know, kind of know what the market will bear. And lots of times in early critique groups and writing workshops, you'll see somebody who will put a copyright notice on their pages, or it'll say, like, copyright Nancy Holder for store of the American rights only. Editors go, like, oh, my God, I'm not getting near that guy. He obviously doesn't know how it works. And I'm not going to go with this person if they're new because they don't know how it really works. So they'll be nervous that you're going to be hard to deal with. So rather than deal with you at all, they just won't deal with you. Okay, that's an, a contract for the first rights. That's a new story. That's the yay, Nancy. Thank you. We like this new story. And so now we're going to move on. Techno Books. Okay, Techno Books was owned by a man named Dr. Martin H. Greenberg. And Marty was renowned for doing anthologies, hundreds and hundreds in the thousands of anthologies. So they wanted to reprint a story of mine in Love is Strange, and my story is called Changed. We are requesting non-exclusive world anthology rights. This includes non-exclusive audio rights. Okay, what is a non-exclusive audio right? They can make an audio copy of it, but they can't keep anyone else from doing it. Right, they can make an audio copy of it, they can't keep anyone else from doing it, including me. I can yeah. make my own. Um, this includes uh, blah, 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 display rights, electronic display rights. What might electronic display rights mean? Ebook. We can offer you an initial payment of 150 bucks plus a share of 50% of all income received by us for this book beyond the publisher's advance. Have we heard that language before? Well, yes, we have. The 50% share allocated to contributors shall be distributed in proportion to the number of stories in the book, regardless of the length of their work in the anthology. Okay, please return one signed copy to me. Why did she do that? She signed it before she sent it to me. She's like, if you like it, sign it. And then I have the copyright line. I have to tell her where did it first appear. And that's the copyright information that's put into the book. Why is it important to include the copyright information in the book? It's my damn copyright. And I'm putting my little flag down. This belongs to me. Don't mess with us. I think now we should move straight to the book contract. Odyssey has been providing free excerpts from the guest lectures at our workshop for over seven years. If you've found these podcasts helpful, I invite you to visit our website at odysseyworkshop.org and make a donation. This is the end of part one. For part two, listen to podcast 73. The text of this recording is copyright 2013 by Nancy Holder. The sound recording is copyright 2014 by Odyssey Writing Workshops Charitable Trust.